0: Pam Padgett and I are members of the body of Christ. We have totally different functions in the body of Christ, and we're both very needed in the body of Christ. Pam has a spiritual gift of helps. You can read that that gift exists if you go to 1 Corinthians 12. Now, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church to work in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Helps is a critical gift for me to have in the body of Christ. For, I am constantly increased and helped by Pam, the spiritual gift she has. She does all of the technical work on books, podcast, blog. She handles all the computer problems. And... She prays and follows God. It would be terrible if Pam had the same gifts I have. And it would be terrible if I had the same gifts Pam had. If I tried to do gifts of helps by watching her I would fall flat on my face. I have nothing like the gifts that she has. She is able to do it so effortlessly. Sometimes she will come in my room and leave water or something for me that I don't even know she's been in my room. I'll be making a recording or I'll be intently writing an exhortation. And... All of a sudden, I look down and there's a glass of water. And I don't have any idea she's been in here. She can move so quietly and invisibly. It's amazing to me. On the other hand, I have a gift of exhortation for the church and am in the offices of apostle and prophet, frontline duty but I don't see that one of us is above the other at all in any sense we do our calling as long as we do our job our calling to which God has assigned us I think we're equal if I do my job I think I'm equal to Paul If Pam does her job, I think she's equal to Paul. I can't see how one of us is above another. So long as we do our job to which God has called us. I've had people who wanted to imitate me. And it shocked me because it never occurred to me I would be doing what I'm doing. And yet my whole life was set up for me to be doing this. My entire life from the time I was a child, everything in it worked toward exactly what I do right now. For example, my dad was a, an auto mechanic, but he had in him something that he did not want me to be afraid of people who had positions of power. As early as three years old, He would take me down to the bank and take me into the office of the president of the bank and just set me on the president's desk and I would talk to Mr. Scarta And he would talk to me. My whole life was planned out where I would not be afraid of authority figures, of people in high places. That's perfect for a profit. Because you're sent to people to take messages of correction. And if you will look at Ezekiel chapter 3, what God said to Ezekiel, you'll see how well this fits in. Ezekiel says in verse 4, And he God said unto me, Son of man, go, get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou cannot understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house." Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart and hear with thine ears, and go and get thee to the house of Israel, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Go to them anyway. This is one of the first scriptures that God began teaching me to do when I was born again. In 1975. Another key scripture for me was Joshua chapter 1. God gave Joshua an assignment. Where he was going to lead the children of Israel. Into the promised land. And God said to Joshua in verse 5. There shall not be any man. Able to stand before thee. All the days of their life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong, and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper wheresoever thou goest this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous And then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. If you have a tendency to be out in the front, in the front lines, it's not accidental. If you have a tendency to be hidden more on a computer and you feel more comfortable there, that's not accidental. A lot of the times, what we call our natural tendencies fit right in with the gifts that God has given us for the church. From the time I was almost born, I was on stage. At the time I entered elementary school, I was a speaker, and I was a basketball player. I was out in the front lines, out in front of people. And my dad taught me not to be afraid of people, and God taught me, don't be afraid of them. Sometimes you're very sad over what they do but you're not afraid of them and basically they can't control you it's just like God said to Moses there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life because you're going to present the truth from God and you're not going to back down And God trains you for that. Your natural father trains you for that. Your situations of life train you for that. Because it's the will of God where you are going to fit into the body of Christ. When I was a very young child, my mother said, if you cry, I will whip you. And I learned not to cry. She kept a switch uh, from the tree, from a tree, just a little f- switch, up on top of the refrigerator. When she wasn't looking, I would get a chair and get on top of the chair, take the switch, break it, and put it in the garbage. She would get another switch and put on top of the refrigerator. But I didn't cry. Now see how that fits in with my delivering messages? You don't back down. Pam Padgett, on the other hand, said her mother would have killed her if she'd torn up her, she had a paddle, sort of like a a ping-pong paddle. And she'd get the the three girls, Pam had two sisters, she would get the girls and just give each one of them a swat with a paddle. And Pam said, she would have just killed me if I had done what you did. And then when she got home lots of times, Pam's mother would tell her father, one of them has done something, and he would just line them all up and give them a swat with his belt. Because he figured if one was guilty, they were all guilty. (sighs) Pam was a very quiet person, a person who was terrified of functioning in front of people. She had a, a computer programmer job at FedEx, and one time uh, they were doing some kind of a television production for FedEx as advertisement, I suppose. And the producer of the show was standing there, and she just happened to walk down the hallway, and he said, "Hey, you come here." So she he was going to put her in the uh, production just to walk past the scene, and she said she did it so poorly that I don't think they used her. <laughs> She was so terrified one day she was in my room and I have my podcast recorder in my room and I told Pam, I said, "Here, wait just a second let me let me get this line recorded on this um, she was going Pam can edit things and she can add lines and sometimes the dogs bark and interrupt a message and I'll re-record that line and Pam will put it in there and take that dog barking out. But she was standing there at the as I got ready to record this, one simple sentence. I turned the recorder on, and I noticed she just she just went totally stiff. And I recorded the one line, and then I was laughing. I said, you just froze. The minute I started recording, you froze. One time I was doing a radio uh, meeting for radio audience. Several of the people had come up to my room after the meeting, and the radio station manager wanted me to record a message on the telephone that they could put on radio to inform people about the meeting. And I told the people in the room, I said, everyone get quiet, I've got to record this on the phone for the radio station manager. So everybody just froze. They were terrified to be in the room. And I just picked up the phone and recorded the message, a one-take type thing. I... Rarely have to record uh, two takes. It's just all there, and I've learned from God to just speak what I hear in my ear. And <laughs> they were just shocked. They, I, they were just stunned. And they, they was sort of like, Pam, well, that's not their calling. My calling is to do this work. And I'm so glad that God worked with me and led me To show me my calling because some people don't know what their spiritual gifts are. They don't have any idea. They just try to copy other people. The worst thing you could do is to copy other people. I consider I'm very fortunate because I was riding along the highway and Jesus began speaking to me and said, I have called you and set you in the body of Christ as an apostle. I was so shocked. I said, Apostle? What's an apostle? I had no idea. I had no one to copy. I went to the Bible teacher at our church and I said, Who are the apostles at this church? And he said, I don't know. They did profess to believe in the scripture in Hebrew, I mean in Ephesians chapter four. After Jesus arose, he gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But no one mentioned apostles, and no one identified anyone as an apostle at that church. Then I asked the Bible teacher, I said, well, what do apostles do? And he said to me, I don't know. So I was basically left with this, God, you're going to have to teach me how to do this apostle thing because I don't know how to do it and I don't have anyone at the church who seems to be an apostle. Well, God did teach me and of course I was taught correctly. I was not copying any human being. God took me to Acts chapter 15 and showed me that one of the primary things that apostles do is to deal with church doctrine. You see me do that all the time when I'm dealing with divorce and remarriage, when I'm dealing with doctrine concerning homosexuals, lesbians. With other doctrines in the church, you'll see me deal with it constantly to try to get the church to come back to the Bible doctrine. We met a Jewish woman. She came across our path. She wanted to be the realtor in the selling of the house in Lubbock. She even said she was ordained by God to sell that house. I didn't believe this. So I got another realtor who did sell the house very quickly. But this woman had met somebody that she was, some man that she was very interested in. Pam talked to her on the phone and warned her that it would be adultery should she, as a divorced woman, remarry. This woman said that she was a Messianic Jew, believed in Jesus, but they had their own doctrine. And I said, when I heard what this woman had said, Pam told me, I said, their own doctrine, there is only one doctrine, and that's the doctrine of the New Testament Bible. There is no doctrine. She can say she believes in Jesus and denies the New Testament writings, and she does not believe in Jesus, though she calls herself a Messianic Jew. There is only one doctrine, and an apostle will very strongly express the doctrine of Christ. Recently, a man who sent me an email he said he was the pastor of a church in the Philippines and, and his email sounded good until the last sentence in the email where he identified himself as reverend immediately I wrote to him and told him he should not call himself reverend there's only one place in the Bible and that's Psalm 111, where anyone is called reverend. And it's not a human being. It's God. Holy and reverend is his name, God's name. If you are a minister appointed by Jesus, you are an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, not reverend. He said that he, he read the things, and he said he agreed. And he said he would tell his pastors not to call themselves reverend. He said they went to Bible school, and when they finished their Bible school program, they were then entitled to use the word reverend. I highly question that they're of God anyway, because my experience with the word reverend was this. A woman came to me and said, What do we call you, reverend? And I was shocked. I said, Oh, no, call me Joan. And that's the first time I ever dealt with the subject. I saw what the appointed ministers in the Bible were called. Paul said he was an apostle. He also said he was an apostle teacher, so he had two offices. Peter said he was an apostle and an elder. I saw what they called themselves. No man in the Bible, no minister, called himself reverend not in the Old Testament and not in the New Testament now in the Old Testament the ministers were called priests but in the New Testament they are not called priests they are no longer called priests they are apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers Ephesians 4 no one in the New Testament is called a priest in the new covenant church there are some references to Old Testament Pharisees scribes who call themselves priests but it's not used in the New Testament church after Jesus ascended none of the Gospels, so to speak will use the word priest for their ministers Now, what you have just heard me do is what apostles do. They deal with doctrine and they try to get it corrected when there is an error. They're going to try to bring the church group back to the New Testament Bible doctrines. When I went to the first college that I attended, I majored in elementary education. I didn't know anything about what I was to do. I wasn't even born again. I ended up teaching the first year, fifth grade. It was just horrible, just horrible. I, I look back upon it feeling very sorry for those people that were in the class, although I know that I couldn't have had that much influence on them. I went to the college that I attended, and I took a preference test in order to try to figure out what I ought to do in life. And when I went back in to get the results of this test, and this was at a Church of Christ college, where they were very strict, and you were taught very strongly that the women keep silence in the churches. They didn't let them do anything except work with children. I didn't even think a woman could pl- pray with a man in the room, but I didn't have any idea. I was supposed to be a minister anyway, so I um, I went back just kind of like a... I was only 19 and when I was teaching fifth grade, and I went back to the psych- psychology office at Abilene Christian and... They were going to give me the test results. And when I walked into the room, the man started laughing. He was looking at me and laughing. And he said, oh, if you were only a man, we would put you in preacher school so fast it would make your head swim because your scores on this preference test went through the roof when it came to preaching. I was shocked, just shocked. And he said, but since you're a woman, here are the things that you should avoid and here are the things you should do. First of all, you should avoid elementary teaching. (laughs) I was pretty sure of that. (laughs) Because I had been doing that. And I was so unhappy. See, if you're unhappy in the thing you're trying to do, something's wrong. And in... A secular way, I was trying to find out what I could do. Of course, now, what I would do is pray. And he told me, he said, now, since you can't do preaching, (laughs) well, actually, what he said to me, when I went in the room, he was laughing, and he said, "Uh, where are you going to preach? What's your itinerary? And I said, what? And he said, well, If you were a man, we'd put you in preaching because, he said, that's where your talent is. But since you are not a man, we find the second highest thing for you is to be a lawyer. Again, I was shocked. I'd never thought of such a thing. This was in approximately 1957, 58. Women didn't do things that way. As a rule, you were a teacher or a secretary or a housewife. Uh, you weren't a lawyer, usually, in those years. And I that had never had any thought whatsoever of dealing with law. But he was exactly right, because I deal with law in the Bible. I deal very strongly with these doctrines and what is right to do and what is wrong to do. So we see it, even from a young person, those gifts come through that God is going to give us along the way. Where he's going to put us, it's going to come through. So Pam and I function in the body of Christ together, and we do quite well in keeping everything going. It's, we, look, we look at it and it's sort of amazing that we can do all of these things and basically not even leave the house the blog, the books, now the podcast. And I'm 83 years old at the time I'm making this recording. You can do these, this kind of work as long as you have a mind and keep going. I pray often that I do it up to the day that I die. If I die and leave the earth, some, some will not die, we know that. Uh, By 1 Corinthians 15, not all will die. If Jesus comes before I die, fine. But if I do die, I frequently pray that I can work up until the day I die. Do you know your calling? Do you know which spiritual gifts you have been given? At one point, I asked my aunt, what were her spiritual gifts? And she thought about it, and she said she had always thought God had given her a gift of love. She was a Church of Christ member, and I'm sure they didn't study spiritual gifts. But love is a gift each person is given in the body of Christ when they belong to God. We love his commandments, thereby they know we love him. And we know they love the church when they do the commandments of God. I'm quoting from 1 John. Concerning spiritual gifts, which are gifts to be used in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. In other words, you might have a gift of wisdom, or you might have a gift of knowledge, but the gift might manifest itself for you in a different way than it does for me. I was in a prayer group after I was born again. It was just a handful of women that met in a home and prayed about different things. They were praying about something, and I was standing in this circle of people, and I heard, look up. And I opened my eyes and looked up, and on a blank wall... I saw the outline of a body part. And I said to God, I know that's a body part. Now, these women are still praying, but I'm talking to God. I know that is a body part, but I just don't know which one. And I heard stomach. And I said, Oh, yes, that's a stomach. That's a stomach. I remember the old Pepto Bismol television commercials about where it showed the stomach. After the women quit praying, I said, does anyone have a stomach problem? And one woman said, oh, I do. And I assume everybody prayed for her or something because I was so excited over learning how to administer this gift that I basically forgot about her. But that's the first time God ever showed me the gift of, uh, I suppose, word of knowledge or word of wisdom. And then after that, I was always receiving those words. Usually when they were singing hymns, I would receive words of knowledge. But sometimes, uh, just in my bedroom, I would just see something on the wall. One time, I saw an outline of a golf course And my friend David, who had the disease ALS, was on the golf course, and he was jumping up and down, totally healed, totally whole. And he was signaling for us to come on, come on. This is great. This is great here. Come and join us, me. I knew David was going to die. His friend, Clay, said to me, don't you think that vision means that David will be healed? And I said, no, David is dying, but he's okay spiritually. About two or three days later, David died. He was totally paralyzed when he died. No, he wasn't healed on this earth. He was healed in heaven. He was going to be whole there. And his spiritual condition was fine. Now, I wrote to David's wife and told her what I had seen about him, the vision I had of David. I asked her to have it read at the funeral. They lived 600 miles from where I lived. I asked her to have it read at the funeral, but I don't know if she did. I don't know what kind of church she attended. It might have been Baptist, and they probably wouldn't have read it, a vision like that, at a Baptist church. But I felt it would comfort the people. And I wrote it out and and sent it to his children, his two children. Well, just because God shows me word of knowledge that way doesn't mean he will show you word of knowledge that way. That's what Paul's talking about here. He says, uh, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So regardless of the way that God teaches us to use a spiritual gift, I mean, that's how we use it and how God shows it to me. But that doesn't mean he would show it that way to you. It's the same spiritual gift. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. And I think that's what I have been given when I see visions like that. Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh, that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally, as God wills. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? The foot and the hand don't do the same thing, and yet both are needed. That's what Paul is trying to show us. Every part of the body is needed, and every gift of the Holy Spirit from every part of the body is needed. Paul says, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. On January 10th, 1980, in the night, God spoke to me by what I think was an angel, because it was a very loud, trumpet-like voice, and it spoke in my ears, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. As a result of that, I ended up being on radio. Within about five days, I was doing radio broadcast. A woman at the church I attended came to me and said, I want to do what you do. And I said, you do? It just didn't occur to me that anyone actually wanted to do ministry work. I did it because God showed me to do it, and he had to convince me that a woman could do it. And he showed me from the Bible that Philip had four daughters who did prophesy. Prophecy is for the church, so they had to be permitted to speak in the church to be able to prophesy. And he therefore got my attention on the subject of when Paul said, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted for them to speak. Let them be under obedience, as also saith the law, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. God said to me, look at what these women were doing. So I reread First Corinthians 14. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. They were, in my judgment, by what I think God showed me, these women were interrupting the church service by asking questions. You have to remember, the early church met in homes. So it would be a more intimate setting than a big church building as we visualize it today. God used those two passages of Scripture to break through the Church of Christ doctrine which had said a woman cannot speak at church. And I saw that a woman can speak at church when, she, when the opening is given to speak. You don't interrupt the pastor. But when the opening is given to speak, it's proper to speak words of God. I was in a Bible class where our teacher always said, At some part of the class, he would always say, does anyone have a word from the Lord? At that time, we were permitted to present words such as I often received a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a doctrine. We could present a doctrine. So I had the opportunity of doing that at the Sunday school class. And that gave opportunity for me to learn to work in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were given to me. Also, the prayer group, it was a situation where I was free to present word of knowledge, word of wisdom, different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then when I went on radio, I had that gift of exhortation. So I just sat down and recorded a message. It was not a problem to me at all. God taught me to speak what I heard from the Holy Spirit, just like on this recording. To just whatever subject comes up is what I'm supposed to speak. That will meet the needs of the people. But unfortunately, many people try to copy each other. Just like that woman that said to me, I I want to do what you do. She'd been watching me. That's not how we work in the body of Christ. We do the thing that God shows us to do. Just like Pam Padgett. She has a gift of helps. God, God didn't tell her you have a gift of help. She just operated by what was in her. If her neighbor needed help, she'd go help him. If he, If he had fallen on the floor, he would call her. She would go over to his house and help him. The same thing happened two doors down from her when one of her friends had her mother staying with her. She would help, help her mother. She'd go by and take her to Walmart and watch over her. That's so clearly the gift of helps. And then of course she got involved helping me with the computer and the blog. She set up the blog from the beginning. When I had the dream in, in the year 2012, March 2012, of doing a blog, I called her and I asked her, I said, Pam, can you, uh, could you set up a blog for us? She said, well, I don't know anything about blogs, but I probably could. And within three days, she had set up the blog and I was writing on it. She did the same thing on the podcast. She did the same thing with the books on Amazon. She has to put these books in a technical form for us to publish them on Amazon. She learned how to do this and put it in the form. I couldn't do any of the things to get any of the messages anywhere without Pam or someone with Pam's skills. In my case, God had her in my vision in the sense that I knew she was a computer programmer at FedEx. So I knew she had skills in computer, which was what I needed to do this work. God has everything in line for us to do the work to which we're called. We just have to walk through the door. It's all set out before us. I'm convinced of that. I also believe that there are many people who are not supposed to do various works. But they do it because they post on their bulletin board at church, sign up to visit the sick or sign up for this or sign up for that. And they're not suited for that work at all. It's not appointed by God. But if it's in your heart that you want to do this work, that's another matter. That might be appointed by God. So you have to work where you are. Work where you are. In your home, in your neighborhood, with your children. Work where you are. And some of you are put in the church to do the front line work. If we read in Ephesians chapter 4, we see that Jesus appointed apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He appointed the ministries from heaven. And notice something about this Ephesians four 11. Let's read it. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He gave some apostles. That's multiple, not just one apostle. Some apostles. And he gave some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry. Then back to 1 Corinthians 12 at the end of that chapter. Verse 28. And God hath set some in the church. That means he set some in the church to care for the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. He sent some in the church to care for the church. Not all. He even says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? He sent some in the church to work in the church. And helps is one of those people set in the church to work in the church. Governments and helps. So there are people appointed by God to work in these offices in the church. Some of you are going to work at home with your children. Some of you are going to work in your community perhaps in a certain way or in your neighborhood. But you have to hear from God and be led by God. And you have to have this desire in your heart also that fits you with the work. Pam has two big dogs, and we take them to the dog park. I can't walk, but I sit in the car, and I watch the dogs, and the dog park here is beautiful. It's got big, tall ponderosa pines and... You can see the mountains in the distance from the dog park, the Rocky Mountains, Pike Peak. It's beautiful. I go with her often to the dog park, and I sit in the car, and I will look at the scenery for a second, and I will look at the dogs as they play. It's a chain link type fence, and I can see them through the fence playing. And I enjoy seeing the dogs. But usually... That doesn't last too long with me. I have got scriptures and books beside me. And I will pick up one of the ministry books and just start reading somewhere in the ministry book or focus on the scripture. Sometimes I've got sections of the blog printed out and I look at that because that's always in my heart. The scriptures, doing the scriptures, thinking of the scriptures, that interests me. I can focus a little bit on the other things, the things of this world, but mostly I'm really involved with scripture. So we each have different functions in the body of Christ. Just like our natural body, the fingers and the eyes and the ears and the feet have different functions and we're we don't function as well without one of those without a hand you would not function nearly as well or without a foot we need all of the parts of the body and each spiritual gift really needs to be in the church i have often Invited people to share things that God has shown them. They can write it to us, they can record it for us. You could even share on the podcast by recording a message for us. We tell you how to do that on the home page up at the upper right hand corner of the first page of the blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. It tells you how you can share the words God gives you. So far, we haven't received anything, but I know we have have it open where if you have something from God for the church, you can share it. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.